Secondhand shopping is amazing. It gives you the chance to acquire the things you need for much cheaper than getting them brand new. Honestly, most of the time you would have never guessed that the stuff was secondhand. But sometimes, everything doesn't go well with buying secondhand. It's possible the jeans you bought have a hole in them, and your money is falling out. Or that the bunk bed you bought is haunted. Hey guys, and welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Lulu, and it's great to hear from everybody again. How was everybody's week? I do not think I'm going to be able to get anything up next week. I do think that going on vacation, I'm going to take that week off for my mental health, and I did really plan on getting something up. I plan on busting everything out these next couple of days, but then my daughter decided that she was going to be butthead this week. And I love her to death, don't get me wrong, but she has not listened all week. She's not napped. It's been tantrums and scream fits, and I just have been dealing with that. And unfortunately, it has put a damper on everything else because it is taking all of my time up. So after today, this is going to be the last time you hear from me just for a week. It's not very long. I rarely take time off. And then as soon as I am back from vacation, I will have something for you. I really appreciate it. It would mean a lot to me if you guys weren't mad at me because I hate taking time off. I love to be here for you guys, you know, every week. I love to talk to you guys and I'm really sad to be taking the time off, but I really, I know that I've got to, you know, finish packing this weekend before we go and it's just going to put so much stress on me and you guys don't deserve to have episodes that aren't perfect. So... I'm just going to take a week off and I will be right back to our normal scheduled time. You'll hear from me twice a week again. And I really appreciate you guys sticking with me while I take some time off. Either way, besides my daughter being a butthead this week, it has been a pretty great week. Um, I managed to pick a ton of stuff from my garden this week. It's looking great out there. I managed to can a bunch of it. it. It's just going so well out there and I just love it. It was so much fun. I'm new to canning, so it's been really fun to learn all of that and to be able to have a backstock and to start eating it because occasionally we'll open something that's been canned. I have some apples that I canned like last month and me and Ray opened those today and we had this really good apple dessert she found and it was it was amazing. So my week's been pretty good. But anyways, let's go ahead and jump into today's episode because I do have to get back to packing for our vacation. Today's episode is about the haunted bunk bed. I have never heard about this before and I was actually really excited when I first started to read about it and I knew it had to fit under the eerie encounter. Just a reminder to everybody listening, if you have anything you would like to be covered under the eerie encounter, category, you can email it to me at confessedobsessedcaserequest at gmail.com and I do cover those under this category. That can go to, you know, crazy haunting stories that you've had or you know somebody that's had 
to even something as small as you went to this creepy abandoned place and some weird things happened. We cover them all here. But anyways, the haunted bunk bed is about a family of four. This family of four consisted of two adults and two children, one boy and one girl. They would decide one year to move into their new home. This would happen in April of 1986. Now this home, you guys, had a clean history. Nothing stood out about it. There was no accidents, no deaths, no fires, no bad neighbors. This, I mean, it seemed like a normal, good home. And it definitely had no hauntings that were ever reported in it. So they would move into this home and it was perfect. Their growing family fit in it perfectly with room to spare and nothing ever seemed to go wrong. Everything was going the way it needed to go when they would discover that it was time to have another baby. They already had one boy and one girl, as I said before, so this baby was going to give them a double, basically. Knowing this, they decided that whatever gender this baby was going to be, it was going to share a room with the child of the same gender. But they had to get something for those children to share in that room. A bunk bed. So they began looking around, planning, you know, shopping for this bunk bed. Then they would come across a secondhand bunk bed that looked virtually brand new and they would decide to buy it and bring it home. This was going to be perfect when the baby was big enough to sleep in the bed. It's going to be perfect to share the room with its brother or sister, whichever room it ended up being in and they would end up bringing it downstairs to their home. Now, I don't know exactly what this bunk bed looked like. A lot of the stories about this haunted bunk bed will depict this bunk bed being an older style wood bunk bed that was in really good shape. Some others talk about it being a metal bunk bed. Really, regardless of what it looked like, it was a nice bunk bed that the family purchased for about $240. As I just barely said, they would bring this to their home and they would bring it downstairs. Of course, if you guys have ever set up a bunk bed or seen one, they don't just come in one piece and fit through your door, they come in pieces. So they carried all of the pieces down into their basement and ended up setting it up in the basement just to double check all of the parts were there and it was going to work out as well as they were wanting it to. And it did, everything was there, it was a beautiful bunk bed, it was ready. Satisfied, they would just leave it put together in the basement until this third baby would arrive. Who would end up being another girl? Once this new baby arrived and they would settle in at home with this brand new baby, they would decide it was time to move the girl's room around so that they could share it together when the baby was old enough. They needed to make room for this new baby and they wanted to bring this bunk bed up so that the older sister could kind of get used to sleeping in it and it wouldn't be as hard to transition everything when the baby was ready to move into that room. So they would deassemble this bunk bed, carry it up piece by piece, rearrange this little girl's room to fit her little sister eventually, and they would set this bunk bed up. Now this older sister was excited to have her baby sister in the room with her and was excited to be sleeping in her new bed until the first night that she did sleep in it. It was like a flip switched. This perfect home that had no problems, no hauntings, no scary things, this home that showed no problems at all was no longer perfect. Everybody seemed to be getting sick one after another, 
constantly. They had these colds that were just sticking around, and when one cold would end, another one would come. They were always sick, tired, and weak because of, you know, the colds. Then, alarm clocks started to turn on and off. On top of turning on and off, they also began to change channels randomly, sometimes slowly flipping through stations, other times quickly going through everything and scaring the person in the room. Then, they would start to turn themselves up and down. They would pick a station, settle on the station, and then they would blast the station at 100% volume and then drop it immediately to zero. And this just happened constantly, all the time. They would have to unplug these alarm clocks in order to get them to stop making noise and turning on and off. If that wasn't creepy enough, things began to move on their own. They would be picked up gently at first. Small things like the bristles of a paintbrush would be flared out after the paintbrush was moved, but then it would begin to get worse. And instead of these things just moving a little bit, they started to be thrown across the rooms, not necessarily at people, but just hucked across the room when nobody was in there or when somebody was in there to scare them. Then the doors began to open and close on their own. Sometimes they would close lightly, other times they would slam shut as loud and as hard as they could. And if this all wasn't bad enough and scary enough, the family started to see things. At first, most of this only happened to the little girl that was sleeping in the bunk bed, but it did begin to affect her brother. These stories that these children were telling their parents were happening were just that at first to the parents. Stories. They weren't witnessing any of it, but they did believe everything their children were saying. They tried everything they could to support their children, even going as far as sleeping in the children's room with them to try to give them comfort. And that's when it started to affect the parents. One night, the father, who knew something was going on, would scream at the top of his lungs that whatever was haunting them needed to quit picking on his children, and if it was going to haunt anybody, it better just haunt him. And it listened, because he began to experience everything and more that the children had been telling them about for the longest time. He was the first one to see an apparition, though. This began with just a fog that would be in a corner of the room with him, or coming out from underneath a door. But more and more that this fog appeared, it would change. And soon eyes would be staring at him through this fog. A woman with long black hair and glowing green eyes would sometimes appear staring at him in the corner of a room. Then a fire that looked so real to the father would raise a panic in him in the garage one day. He would run back inside to grab something to put this fire out with. And when he busted back into the garage, he would realize that the fire was never there. And nothing was ever on fire or had been damaged by a fire that had gone out. 
Then the voices started. This fog, or this apparition of a woman, or sometimes just in an empty room, this voice would begin to talk to the father, telling the father to come here, calling to him. Then it would move on to telling the father that he was dead. And you guys, these things kept happening. They kept seeing this apparition, hearing it. The father was going crazy. He had no idea what was going on, but something was haunting their house. Something was haunting him. They snapped one day, and I don't blame them. They felt like either, yeah, something was haunting them, or somebody was playing a cruel prank on this family. So they called the police, and they called a priest. When the police arrived, which I believe the police arrived first, they would tell the police what they were witnessing, tell the police what they were hearing and seeing, the things that were being thrown, everything. And they would inform the police that they wanted to make sure that nobody was trying to scare them in their home with tape recordings or fog machines or anything like that. The police, who seemed to believe what they were saying, would search this home happily, high and low only to come back and inform the family. There was nothing planted in their home. No recordings, no cameras, no fog machines, nothing. Nobody was playing a prank on this family and they would leave. Then the priest would come in. The priest would walk through this home, look things over, mumble about some things. Now I'm unsure if he actively saw the haunting at work or not. But either way, when he was done walking through the home, he turned to the family and informed them that they did have something bad in their home. And not just a spirit that was playing around with them. Something evil. Even going as far as referring this thing to the devil. He would go on to cleanse the home pray with the family, and then let them know that things should get better. He took care of it, and he would turn around and leave. But you guys, things only got worse. Now, if you don't know a lot about the spiritual realm, if you do have something that is actively haunting you, something evil, you know, a demon or a spirit or something like that, that is attacking you or your family, if you attempt to get rid of this, in a normal way. So for example, if you are used to cleansing your house with sage to get rid of the bad energies, if you have a demon in your home, a sage cleansing will not get rid of that demon. If anything, it will actually piss that demon off because you tried to kick it out with like a super weak thing. It's entirely possible that it hurts the demon, but it's not going to leave. That's probably exactly what happened here. This priest knew something evil was in the house. And, you know, whatever religion you believe or don't believe in, if it was attempted to be cleansed in a way that could not banish a demon or a devil, if you believe that's what it was, it's just going to make it matter. And instead of just simple little apparitions and creepy things that were being said and slamming doors, things got worse. 
This thing started to throw things at people, slam the doors in people's faces. It started to pull things off the wall. It threw a complete and total tantrum that this family tried to get rid of it. And I also know what you're thinking. Why didn't the family up and leave? A lot of people, when they hear about this kind of haunting, think that you can just up and leave your house. But that is not how it works. When you buy a home, nine times out of 10, you cannot just uproot and completely move at the first sight of something scary. There is a process that you have to follow. On top of that, buying a home, you guys, is expensive. They were out a lot of money from down payments on this home and all of these things that you have to put down in order to get roots set up in a home and they probably could not afford to move. So before trying to up and move, they were trying to do everything they could to get this thing to go away, but nothing seemed to help. And of course, all of their friends and their family and probably their neighbors knew about what was going on in this home. They were not keeping it a secret. They were telling everybody and nine of 10 people told them that they were crazy. Nothing was going on, nothing was haunting them, they were fine, including a lot of their family. So one night, the parents had to work late, and they ended up calling some of this family over. I say some family, but it's really only one person, and ask if they could come and sit with the children while they finished working, because they were both working late. Wouldn't be for very long. And this person agreed. They did remind this family member of what was going on in the house, what was happening. They were unfazed, told them that they were basically crazy and they would be fine. So they came over, sat with the children, and that is when they would change their mind. Because as the night would drag on, things would begin to happen. Just like before, all of the clocks would change. The doors were closing. Then this family member saw an apparition. They had a complete and total panic attack, and I don't blame them, freaked out, and as soon as the parents were home, they ran as fast and as far from this house as they could, vowing to never return to the house and telling the family that this was not just a scary story. This was the family's last straw. Now they knew that this was happening to more than just them. They were not crazy. This family member who was skeptical had seen this apparition and was so afraid they left. So they decided it was time to pack up and leave for good. And they would flee from this home that night. They ended up crashing in a hotel for a few weeks, trying to get in contact with the church and that priest that helped him out previously. They explained what had happened and how things just got worse, and the church would help find them a new permanent home with a clean history. When they moved in, the haunting did not follow. Everything was quiet, peaceful, happy, and normal. The only time they returned to that home was in the middle of the day to retrieve the belongings that were still in it. They eventually took everything from that home, except for that second-hand bunk bed. Knowing that the hauntings was coming, 
from there. Instead of risking this haunting coming to their new home and having to flee that one as well, they would slowly take this bunk bed apart, load it up, and take it to a junkyard, burying the pieces of this bed randomly throughout this junkyard so nobody would ever be able to find all of the pieces and take this bed home. So nobody would have to deal with the haunted bunk bed ever again. And still to this day, it remains buried forever in an unnamed junkyard and nobody knows where it went. The home that had plagued the family for so long finally went up on the market after they had successfully moved out and moved into the new home. This would later be sold in April of 1988 and the family who has moved into this home has never experienced any hauntings. None at all. If they had not have heard of the previous hauntings, they would have never guessed that this home was the center of such a scary story. The weird thing about this haunting is that it sounds like it was indeed attached to the bunk bed, but it does not sound like it was just a normal bored ghost. Normal ghosts cannot touch things. They cannot move things. They cannot even twitch things. On top of that, most of the time, they're harmless. Not all of the time, just most of the time. Usually if you see a normal ghost, they'll be minding their own business and don't really give us a second thought. For example, in my home, which is open to anything that's not going to cause us fear or harm or misfortune or anything like that, I have had normal ghosts come and go throughout my home. I had a ghost who was a lonely ghost. Now he was not here to scare us, he was not here to do anything other than have some company. And he would just sit in the corner of my house and he would watch us. He never at one time scared anybody in the family. He didn't look scary. He didn't even jump out or move when you were in the room. He froze and just watched. He just wanted company until he was ready to move on from our home. That's what happens. The difference between a normal ghost like that and something else is usually a demon. Now a demon can touch things. It can touch anything it wants. It can throw things. The stronger the demon, the harder things can be thrown or broken or touched or doors can be slammed. For example, when we covered the other eerie encounter, which was the man, which was the story that is my story of something, definitely not a normal ghost, haunting me, I am about 99% positive that the noise that I purposely left in my recording twice was him. Now he can't come close and his full physical form cannot come into my house. I have done everything I can to keep protections up to keep him away. But I do think there was a part of him that was able to get down through those walls because I was actively talking about him and he was knocking things over to try to scare me because these things live off of fear. He was hoping that I was going to be afraid of him again and I was going to put my walls down and allow him in on accident, which did not happen. To me, it sounds like this was a demon in the home because it was throwing things. It was closing doors. It was turning on and off alarm clocks. These are all things that a normal ghost, even one that wants to scare for fun, cannot 
physically do. But what's interesting about demons is they are not tied to an object. Sometimes ghosts, especially ones that have died in, you know, on something or something was special to them, will become tied to these objects. They will follow them wherever they go. Demons, though, because they are not originally from our plane, do not have objects that they are normally attached to unless they have been banished in one, like a box or a container of some sort, if that makes any sense. But like I said, demons can touch you. They can touch things, they can throw things, they can throw you if they're strong enough. They also like to haunt dreams, they can talk to us, and they feed off of our fear and will do everything in their power to make us afraid of them because it makes them stronger. Most of the time, they choose to target somebody because of some sort of other ulterior motive, not just because they enjoy making you afraid. Sometimes these other motives can be things like possession or soul stealing or honestly a million other different kinds of things. To me, this story sounds closer to a story of a demon, but demons are not tied to objects like a bunk bed, which is what makes this story weird. Now I know what you're thinking, how do we know it was tied to this bunk bed? Well, we don't. We can guess. The hauntings didn't seem to start until this bunk bed was being used and slept in, and it didn't seem like they were haunting the people in the home until they had slept in this bunk bed, until this demon or ghost or whatever it was got strong enough off of the fear to not need them to sleep in the bunk bed anymore to haunt the home, and that is when it moved on to being able to show itself to the family member. And when the family moved out, if that demon was haunting the family, shouldn't it have moved homes with the family? Because it's not tied to an object and it would have easily followed them out. But it didn't. It didn't move to the hotel with the family, and it didn't move to the new home. And after they had broken this bunk bed down and destroyed it, this demon did not stay in the old home either because the new homeowners had no experiences with this demon. I've also seen some theories like there must have been some sort of gas leak or something like that. But then don't you think that the new homeowners would have been seeing something or experiencing some sort of side effects if there was some sort of leak in this home? So what do you guys think? Is this a story of a paranoid family whose brains were making something up? Or did this actually happen? Were they haunted by something that wanted to hurt the family? Or were they just lucky and able to get away in time? This podcast may contain false or misleading information. If you are interested in knowing more about any stories shared on this podcast, I highly recommend doing your own research. All listeners are advised that these are stories and folktales. The information shared must be taken carefully and skeptically, because you never know what could be real and what's just a story. 
Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.